Oh man. And here we we're back at the beginning for the for the third time. You know what? Third time's a charm is what they say with this one. Listen, or technically th- speaking, this is the first one they'll hear. So this yeah. is the first time first time's a charm. <laughs> that we will be talking about this. As perfectly. as the as the Fuller Arcs promise is you will never hear us make a mistake. Um, at all. This is Fuller Arcs. I am Drew. I'm Kenyatta. And today we are doing we're doing another one of our series. I can already feel the energies a little better in this one too. It's in you know what? Again, first time's the charm. Um, we're doing another in our series of what's the deal with this time? It's mecha. Mechs. Yeah. Big robots. Gundams. I mean, like, you could almost just call the genre Gundams because like <laughs> that's what people are gonna that's what it's what you're gonna know, right? Yo, that's so cr- what in the uh we're gonna have to cut this oh. <laughs> my computer my computer screen blinked and then Ooh. as it blinked um it showed the sound thing and it says the airpods mm. are the one that's my voice is coming through oh then it's uh well i've got it here as your actual thing as your actual mic at least is Bro, what, what is going on with this episode? Is it just like the ro- are the robots the cur- beefing? Like is technology yeah. like throwing a <laughs> the fit? Compu- the computers are hearing us talk about larger robots and they're jealous. Um, it's like whoa. All right, but yeah, I, I see. I see your mic. So on my end, you sound the same. So I think we're good. Okay, cool. Um, are we redoing the redo of the redo? <laughs> no, I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna cut around it. Uh, because I think it's we were the the start and stops there. I think we're clean enough. Um, okay. I think I think we might want to eventually do like a like what do we so with these we did this with the shonen episode um, mm-hmm. with the what's the deal about blank? I think you know what we're trying to do at least kind of the way that I think about it is if you have you know heard the term of the genre or you may have like seen you know there's always articles that'll do uh, like the top ten blank anime you should check out we kind of want to help you get an understanding of like what that genre is um what are the common you know elements like if you're familiar with you know more uh genres more common in american media you know like horror or fantasy or sci-fi the genres kind of give you an idea of what you're going to see and if you may be kind of new to anime or just new to the terms hopefully this episode will give you kind of a better insight into what that means and help you kind of decide, oh, this is what I'm looking for, or I can kind of find and navigate all the anime that are out there. Yo, I wonder, I'd be curious to see how many people actually search for anime based on genre. Well, it, it's kind of interesting, right? Because like it's, it, I think there's so much stuff now that you you rarely search for anything based on genre anymore, um, but you will get recommended things based on your genre preference, I think pretty often. Typically people now search for the exact, you know, series or movie they want to watch. People very rarely just kind of browse idly, I think. Hey, I'll say Netflix turned me into that person where I, I actually go to genres um okay. to look for something to watch. You'd be like, eh, I'm gonna move for something scary. Okay, cool. Yeah. Let me just go to horror and see what they got. Um but I've I've never done that with anime. I've never said, hmm, 
giant robots. Yeah, let's uh, <laughs> let's let's strap in for some big robots. Let's see what's going you on. You know, robot brawls. I'm down. Let's let's uh, let's search mechs. And so, never done that. And so then with uh, with mecha, that's the uh, that's the genre we're kind of going in today. Um, well, you know, I think we're gonna go ahead. We want to go ahead and get out get out of this. Uh, Kenny, what is the mecha genre? If you could kind of summarize it in like a sentence or two. Sentence or two. Mecha genre, um, to quote a very wise co-host, is the anime style where the personification of the robot <laughs> is at the forefront and the subject of the show. Okay. This is separated into two subgenres. You have super robot and real mm-hmm. robot. Your super robot is sentient and is not necessarily piloted by a human being. Your mm-hmm. real robot, on the other hand, famous by Gundam is more so used in mass production, large scale mm-hmm. wars, and is often piloted by a human being. Period. Thank you. Yeah. Webster's, I need a check. Yeah. <laughs> um and it, and if you know that description I think was using a lot of, you know, uh ten dollar words in it. Um <laughs> Mecca Mecha is the anime what got the big robots in it. Like there, we're going to get into um, I think some examples later where that's you know not a hundred percent the case, but that's a pretty you know safe bet here um, to divine what is and is not a mecha. Um, though though uh, I and, I, and I'm uh, because I'm good at making shows. I'm going to say that I'm going to hold off the example of this until later on towards the end of the episode. You, you can't exactly trust that just because you don't see a giant robot in something, it is not a mecha anime or has no mecha qualities to it. I'll eventually explain what I mean later. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess kind of the, the easiest place to start is at the beginning. Um, what are, what are kind of some of like the early examples here of the genre? Because genres obviously change over time. You couldn't like, you can say that both um, Nosferatu in the silent film era and uh, you know, like the conjuring or scream are both broadly horror movies, but they're not really uh, identical to a modern audience. So how did, how did Mecca start? What is kind of one of the earliest examples we were able to find Kenny? So I think we can go all the way back to what? Let's see, 1956, right? It's where mm-hmm. we get the first mecha in manga, right? Once okay. it gets released um, overseas, especially here to the U.S. Uh, in 63, it's called Gigantor. Um, mm-hmm. Then we fast forward to Mazinger Z. That comes out in 72. Um, and then we hit pretty early on gundam like it's it's insane how how early gundam arrives to the scene and then completely captivates the space because gundam comes in 1979 so you're looking at 20 years just about 20 years after the genre is birthed Mm -hmm. gundam is presented and then gundam runs away with the rally like ever since to the point that today it's arguably one of the faces, if not the face of the entire genre still. It, it's what like, again, like it's, you know, I said this right at the very top. I, I genuinely feel like you could just call this genre Gundam and people would know what you meant, even if Gundams specifically weren't in it, like in a specific one. Cause it's, 
I mean, you know, it's it's kind of like um, the Gundam has gotten to so much of the forefront of the popular, you know, headspace around this genre where it has defined it for a lot of people. I mean, in the same way, honestly, that Dragon Ball has defined Shonen for a lot of people. I feel like Shonen as a genre is a bit more competitive. There's a bit there are more examples of things that are doing the same thing that are also kind of equally or close to that in popularity. But in Mecha, like Gundam is still around. So it's kind of hard to supersede them in the minds of so many people mm-hmm. in that same kind of extent there. So then I guess Gundam for, for people who may not be um, you know intimately familiar with uh, with the Gundam series. What what is that? What is what actually is Gundam? I know that there's the giant robot, but surely there's like more to it than, you know, big robot. No. Nah. like i mean to i mean i could sit here and i can try and you know break it down to all of its Mm -hmm. political plot points but uh the general argument of gundam is Mm -hmm. that there is some type of war between a faction or another faction and instead of trying to use people to fight because most times these are space-faring advanced uh civilizations they're like eh that'll cost a lot that's pretty primitive of us let's instead Mm -hmm. use these giant robots to wage war and call it a day simple (laughs) enough and so like i mean from there um obviously we're you know we're we're taking the piss a little bit about it but you know like it's (laughs) like if if you are the kind of person who you enjoy a you know I, I, I think that there is something to be said for spectacle in anime. We we touched on this in Shonen as well. There are some Shonen that are kind of really all about their fights, about the spectacle, about the animation, about the effects there. And, you know, I think that's something that Mecha does very well because it kind of has, um, you know, it's the genre that gets to have giant robots in it. So they get mm-hmm. to do giant robots with their fights. And sure, like it's, and this will be the case, um, uh, I don't know how many more examples we're going to touch on with Gundam specifically, but rest assured, there are a ton of examples of it. It had it has been running since 1979. There are numerous distinct series, I believe. Uh, something I was looking at, there are multiple timelines with it um, that do kind of ebb and flow with how much of this they deal with. There is a political narrative here. It deals with colonization and military power and things like that. And so I would say like with Gundam specifically, if you're either, if that's the kind of story that you enjoy, or if you just like big, like if you like the spectacle, which I'm not going to fault you for, I've definitely watched things because they look pretty before. Um, Or if you just want to kind of see um, really one of the, one of the key starts of this genre, as far as like on this level, on this type of popularity scale. Gundam, I think, is a good one to start on for those reasons. I wouldn't exactly go into it expecting to have your face melted off with like a, I've never seen this type of storytelling before. <laughs> like, it's, but like, that's not really what it's trying to do because, I mean, from when it was made, and I mean, arguably, to be honest, this would still be true now. You, if you do giant robots cool enough, people will show up. Like, giant robots just are kind of that kind of thing. People will show up for giant robots. Pacific Rim did gangbusters when it came out. And it's giant robots. Like, you can kind of skate by on that. 
That's so crazy, right? Because you look at even baby giant robots, like the movie Real Steel. Like yeah. Hugh Jackman in Real Steel was uh, like unnecessary. Um, yeah. Most of the acting in that movie was trash. However, there was something about that little robot that looked like a punching bag, like mm-hmm. doing the little hand fist motion of like, come on, as it like pretended to be a boxer. Like, yeah. It's like, oh, yo, you know, you got me into this robot brawls. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I'm down. I'll check totally that down. out. Yeah. And again, like it, it's it's so I would say, though, that's like if you're going to go to original Gundam, those are the kind of expectations I would I would kind of set for you there. You want to see some space battles that are, you know, for the time and honestly today, like still pretty well done, honestly. Um, but that's I mean, that's really it in the beginning, because I do think that, you know, hey, down the line, maybe there's something deeper uh, to this genre than giant robots. Um, what would we say is kind of the next um, large example? Because obviously Gundams are pretty dominant. Like this, is, people are familiar with this genre here. Um, what's the next kind of example we want to touch on? I think even even after you go to Gundams, right, that's when you start breaking into uh, specialty spaces. Okay, and I, and I and I call them specialty spaces because they're very much based on you know. Uh, derivatives of those two quote-unquote subgenres of either super robot or excuse me real robot um you're looking at different things like what neon uh neon Gen- genesis evangelic jeez that's such a hard thing to say probably neon genesis evangelion Yes. Yes. Thank you. Neon mm-hmm. Genesis Evangelion. I just tried to say Evangelion, but I felt like because this is a podcast, I, sh- I should say it like properly. And that thing, that was difficult, bro. Not <laughs> lie. That, that was difficult. Um, you have that. You have uh, Zoids. You have Big O. You have Eureka 7. You have Gorn Lagan. You have all these different uh, tongue twisters. Um oh yeah like big o hard to say that one that's pretty rough you would catch that you you would catch that i mean do you Um, want me to point out zoids yeah these are (laughs) there's kind of just the one um i do i do i do want to save i want to save the the conversation about evangelion a bit later because it's cleverly for um shape of show um, it is a bit of a counter example as anyone who is familiar with, you know, anime and Evangelion may already be aware. Um, uh, but like Zoids and Big O, because these, I think are still, um, even though I do believe these actually, both of these came out after Evangelion. Um, these I think are a bit of a refinement, but still kind of in the realm of what Gundam is doing. Um, I know Kenny, you actually, um, had a lot you wanted to point out about Zoids in particular. No, I think I think Zoids was Zoids was amazing in the sense that it took the concept of these giant super robots, mm-hmm. right? And they kind of threw a little spice on it by making them mirror more organic creatures. Mm-hmm. And I think that goes back to what you were talking about uh about earlier with the personification aspect of these robots. Because, yes, the idea of fighting robots is cool, but what's cooler is that you have these transformations with these robots, and these robots look like, you know, things that you would imagine as a kid. Mm -hmm. So when you have the Liger Zero, it literally just looks like a giant tiger robot, like a giant Mm -hmm. saber-toothed tiger robot. Um, But then it has these transformations, right? Like you go Liger Zero Jaeger. 
Um, you have like a zero Schneider and all these different transformations add like rocket launchers to it or like giant swords that come out of its side. And it's just like, yo, this is dope. Just being straight up on face value. That's dope. I'm not really remembering what the argument was or what the beef was why they were fighting but it's like <laughs> yo i definitely remember like yo a giant running saber-toothed tiger robot with giant swords <laughs> that come out of its side and jumping into the sand like yeah heck yeah i'm gonna like, remember that and like if someone told me like hey we're gonna hang out and watch zoids i would probably go cool i'm there i'll sit and watch zoids so like um zoids as that example um is the thing that a, a lot of these series do gundam um specifically with the series g gundam is also in the same kind of a narrative space where we have taken um because in the zoids uh storyline um part of this is also it's just these are weapons of war similar to the gundams these are just animal shaped instead of human shaped like gundams are like some gundams are i know some gundams can actually get pretty out there um but like in the Zoids, I think it's specifically New Century, um, as with G Gundam as another kind of comparison point. These are series. Um, I, I don't exactly know 100 percent how to kind of like categorize these in a way that's, you know, uh, linguistically satisfying. But it's a, it's basically another series in kind of the Zoids canon, which similar to Gundam has a bunch of kind of smaller, shorter series within it where these former weapons of war have basically been modified and are now used in a more friendly, less lethal competition. But I mean, as with these, you always have kind of the arc of a character who takes that too far, gets a bit too intense, but these are essentially these series um basically having a war games thing with these like we've got these giant weapons of war they can do cool stuff people like seeing them let's just put that into a setting where we don't have to work as hard to justify the fights it's just like oh you fight because you had a battle coming up so now you got to do a fight cool got it that's also the case with i think g gundam touches more on um g gundam i think is a bit heavier here um so uh, for g gundam is just hunger games yeah yeah, yeah, that, and so that's kind of where it is, right? It's We have the spectacle of these giant battle robots, but that's set against this backdrop of, you know, Earth in G Gundam is just barren. It is just a skeleton of a planet. Like, they fight, in, they fight in Paris, and it's mostly gray. It's mostly, like, destroyed um, husks of buildings and things of that nature. And you have these... I mean, the main storyline here is just it's you have a pilot who is not going to just, you know, lose because I think they do fight to the death here. So he's fighting for his life, but it's all for, you know, the entertainment of the wealthy that exist here in this universe. Zoids is definitely not this dark. Zoids is definitely a lot more, I guess, fun if you want to look at it that way. Um, but we do see kind of these uh, we start to see with these two kind of a, a dichotomy here where it's really on a lot of, you know, surface level um, ways you can view these. These are the same show, right? It's just, do you like your Gundams human shaped with a gun or a sword? Or do you like your Gundams to be Zoids instead where they're kind of these robots or they're these animal shapes and they have these animal form factors to them. But we also see here how you can kind of evolve the storytelling there, make it a bit deeper. I mean, even, even look at, you know, and, I'm I'm going to include this, even look at Transformers, right? Transformers mm -hmm. literally did the same thing. It's like, okay, how do you like your Optimus Prime? 
you like your Optimus yeah. Prime just as a robot? Do you like him as a semi-truck? Do you like him as a, uh, I think in one iteration, he was a giant gorilla. Uh, mm-hmm. How do you like your Transformers? Animal style, yeah. regular robot, car style? <laughs> like, <laughs> how do you take your Transformers? I mean, that's, I think that's why when you look at this mech genre, like keeping it a buck, what makes mm-hmm. it so successful is just that, yo, it found something that just sticks. People mm-hmm. like giant robots. People like giant fighting robots, to be specific. Because, I mean, imagine, right? You had a Gundam, and its sole job was to just be there. Mm-hmm. Take you to work. Take you to school. Be there to pick you up. It's like, wait, that, like, mm, I kind of don't need that in my show. Like, so, and I bring that up because... I remember you said the, I think it was the maker for Matt Zinger Z um, mm-hmm. said that his inspiration was, you know, jumping inside of these robots, kind of like jumping inside of a car, right? And it's just like, okay, well, my car is just there to take me from point A to point B. Mm-hmm. Like, like, that's that's kind of it. I, I, I wouldn't be too interested in watching a series where somebody jumped, let's say, Domonkachu jumps into the shining gundam to you know go to paris yeah it's like uh okay is that it yeah like and i think this is also where because uh this i think segues us into big o i think pretty well um you start to see here there is an element that i think is distinct that that separates um you know the description saying that these are kind of hyper militarized typically um shows an anime in this genre um, where they use just, you know, a what is effectively a glorified vehicle, right? Uh, but there's something that I think um, is specific that separates mecha anime from a movie like Top Gun is a good kind of counterpoint example. In Top Gun, they're all pilots. All of them fly jets. And a lot of the movie, you know, takes place with them in jets doing that kind of thing. But the jets, while, you know, cool and certainly used for just the aesthetics of like, oh, these are sick. They can do cool jet tricks on them and that kind of thing. The jets don't really come anywhere near the level of character that uh, Liger Zero in Zoids does or the Shining Gundam in G Gundam does where there is a level of personification that Mecha have to them in these stories where they're used. And I mean, Optimus Prime is almost even a better example there where Optimus Prime is literally a character. Optimus Prime has uh, thoughts, desires, goals, plans, a character to them. Um, but that level of personification is kind of what elevates them a bit beyond just being a vehicle, just being something that somebody pilots. And you also, beyond that, you have a bit of a personal connection between the protagonist, between the pilot and the mecha that they pilot. There are, I know at least there's one major arc in Zoid specifically where the pilot of the Liger Zero is literally, you know, going through all of this hassle to try to get that back. And it's not just because like, oh, I can't afford to buy another Liger Zero from, you know, the from Carmax or wherever they're going uh, <laughs> in this universe. It's 
that like they identify with i have to go rescue this even though it's an inanimate object it doesn't you know talk to them it doesn't have like a voice or anything to that effect but there's a level of kind of uh connection between pilot and mech in the similar way that i think a lot of people are i do th- i do um think of this as more of an american thing specifically but there's a connection that a lot of people have with their cars that they've had them for a long time um especially people um who are you know, who have the same car for a long time. There is a connection there that people have that I think is pretty familiar to an American audience that is heightened in a lot of these stories where it's like, sure, it may be used as a vehicle. It may be used for a a need type purpose, but the character has a stronger bond to it than that would imply. I think, I think something that's, you know, something that you're touching on might be also the secret sauce when it comes to uh the meg genre um mm-hmm. they're all personified they're yeah. all personified um and not just to the degree of you know you you having a main character and that main character having their particular robot mm-hmm. but to the degree that the robot matches the main character and oftentimes the robot is distinct based on the character being the main character and or main villain and or main supporting cast um when you look at when you look at other animes um or genre excuse me when you look at other anime genre not everybody does that so Mm -hmm. we can use dragon ball z as an example uh dragon ball z is pretty generic if we're going to keep everything on face value right Mm -hmm. you fly Everybody flies. Um, Everybody has a special giant beam. Um, Mm -hmm. Maybe you change colors. Uh, But now that we have our Z fighters pretty down pat, um, everything is arguably repetitive up until you get to, like, let's say, a Dragon Ball Super where you get a thing where you're going up against multiple universes. So now you have to break it up into, you know, many different creative elements. Um, but that's something that's just right out the gate when you look at a lot of these uh, these mech genre-based animes. They do mm-hmm. personification masterfully. Masterfully. Mm-hmm. And because, I mean, just to, just to bring it home, the Liger Zero could have just remained the Liger Zero. Yeah. Like, it could have just remained a blank, white, saber-toothed, cat, like, tiger mm-hmm. thing, creature, robot. But they were like, no, 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 no. We're gonna give it. We're gonna give it transformations. We're mm-hmm. gonna give it transformations to make it distinct from everything else around it because the rest of them didn't do that. Yeah, and, and it kind of sets them sets them apart there. And I think actually, kind of part with what you're saying there, where it's these are th- there's a level of um of kind of I the word I the word I really want to use is rhyming, right? Where to their pilot. In most of these cases, the mecha that's associated with them kind of rhymes or they kind of fit and they kind of balance with their pilot. And I I think in at least good examples of this. And so we mentioned Big O earlier. Um, The logline that I would say, and I think it's if you hear this, you're going to immediately know if you're going to be into the show or not. Big O is essentially Batman, but he's got a big robot like I feel like if you hear that and you don't immediately go, that sounds sick. I don't know if the show's going to win you over, but if you hear and that, he has know, an android. And, oh, and there's also an android. There's also an Alfred character. There's a butler as well. But yeah, like it's that's 
that's this show. But like you look at you look at um, and like any of the key art or any kind of stills there. Big O, he his uh, his robot is this stoic, stiff upper lip type face visage on it. It has these red stripes that seem to form like a bib almost or like a fancy kind of collar. <laughs> he's this very high class. He's always wearing black gloves, a nice fitted suit, his hair slicked back in like a James Bond, Bruce Wayne kind of way. And this is a show where, again, it's effectively, I mean, very similar to to the Batman storyline. Just this time, instead of getting into the Batmobile, he gets into Big O, which is a giant robot, arguably a bit better, right? In, in some circumstances. And so I don't think the this show is not reinventing the wheel in any kind of ways. But I mean, sometimes, sometimes you do. You just want to sit down and you want to watch Batman beat up some bad guys. And that's really it. And Big O is giving that, I think, as a show, it's doing that with a bit more style. And that's kind of its main thing that I would say sets it apart within this kind of field here. But I mean, it's also, it's just, hey, do you want to see Batman this time do big robot fight? And if that sounds cool, guess what? It exists. Here it is. I'm telling you, I, I think big robot fight is just a cheat code. Yeah. I don't know what it is about it, but big robot fight is just a cheat code. Like, personally, I could care less for Pacific Rim 2. Mm-hmm. Just being honest. Yeah. Just being honest. However, the idea about big giant robots fighting big giant monsters, I don't know. It's just, it's cool. It sounds, it's, yeah. I mean, it's just cool. There's nothing, and again, like, there's nothing wrong with spectacle. Like, it's, I think as long as you're coming into it with that, both, I think you're going to be pleasantly, um, you're going to be satisfied with most of the stuff here in the genre. And that does also give some of them, I think, a good opportunity to surprise you. So, we mentioned Evangelion earlier. Um, Kenny, I, ima- I imagine you have some stuff to lead us into the talk about Neon Genesis Evangelion. Before before I do that, I do want to okay. preface. Okay, I just I just want to preface. Yeah, yeah. I'm not the biggest fan. Sure, sure. Okay, and I say that because I think. I think where Evangelion succeeds is in giving a, I think it succeeds in giving a more nuanced take on these battles, right? Mm-hmm. Because you're starting to take into account different things like uh, the religious space, right? Yeah. You're starting to take into different elements that evolve, uh, excuse me, that involve more so the the deep human work, right? It almost reminds me to a degree, almost like uh, Full Metal Alchemist, right? Mm-hmm. Where Full Metal Alchemist on the surface was very much about, um, you know, like a shonen type space. There's even a lot though of flash, it was a little darker. Yeah. But when we when we look at it from what it presents to you, it's a very deep show. It's a very deep show and a very effective show. Right. Evangelion, I think, is the is really a good I don't I don't you know, I don't I wouldn't necessarily say this is the moment when this happened, but Evangelion is kind of the point when the stories in this space, in this genre, started to realize they could be a bit more sophisticated in a similar way to stories about, you know, the brave American soldier kind of stopped being so simple around like when Vietnam happened in the real world, when a lot more of our stories in that space went from, uh, you know, good old GIs standing for truth, justice, the American way, et cetera, et cetera, to maybe having to murder people 
does something that's not so great to your head. Maybe that's not always, you know, super chill. And Evangelion is doing that. It's in that same kind of space. I think even even when we when we look at the way killing is done, right, in Evangelion, yeah. Yeah. it's 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 personal. It's a lot more mm-hmm. personal because these these mechs are not just um these mechs aren't just robots. They're not just machines. 100%. Yeah. 100%. They're organic. Mm-hmm. And because they're organic and you have that tether, killing feels like actual killing and mm-hmm. it makes everything extremely personal. Um, and so I, I think for Evangelion, what it introduced to this space is a buy-in, a different level of buy-in, mm-hmm. where you you can't just passively watch this for the sake of ah, I'm just down for big robot fights because it doesn't exactly give you big. It robot doesn't fights. deliver. Yeah, it doesn't deliver on that really. Like I, I uh, you know, especially anyone who has seen it will obviously know this, but like giant entities for sure do throw down an Evangelion. I don't want you to think that they don't, but Mm -hmm. it's not the same. It it is almost like, I think a good metaphor for it would be to go from, um, to go from something, you know, a bit lighter, like a Zoids, like a typical Gundam series, obviously not all Gundams hashtag, not all Gundams. Um, but to go from like Gundam to Evangelion would be pretty similar in like your enthusiasm for it to going from a boxing match to then seeing someone fight on the street. Like it's not the same type of uh, pomp and circumstance. It's not celebratory here. Um, And a lot of that's to deal with like, you know, a lot of the plot of Evangelion is they're fighting for survival. Um, The Evas as they're, as they're known here, as they exist here are, as we kind of said before, they're kind of um, a hybrid organism where um, I guess to to do the basic um, kind of setup of the plot here, an Evangelion, it's I believe a bit of an apocalypse or a post-apocalypse kind of world where these giant creatures um, that are like, you know, skyscraper size that are called angels are just kind of attacking and destroying much of the planet. Um, and then they are able to fight back by taking some of the essence of these angels and humans and creating them into these piloteable or semi-organic mechs that are called evas Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. i believe the connection is we alluded also to there's always a connection between the pilot and the large mech with uh which they do pilot in evangelion that's a bit more on the nose because typically the human element in the mech is the parent of the pilot in a lot of the cases here. So there is this kind of direct familial connection to the mech there. And there's the aspect of the things that they are fighting are not just other big robots. This is an organism. This is a life that they are having to kill. And if like any damage that you take is not only if you're in the, if you're, you know, in the cockpit and you get a little, you get rocked a little bit, you might get hurt. But also the thing that you're in has a sense that it can feel and experience pain in that way as well. And they they don't pull the punch on that. That's not just like a thing where it's like, you know, 20 years after it comes out, there's a YouTube video essay that's like, hey, isn't this thing kind of messed up? Or, God forbid, a podcast about it. But, <laughs> um, but it's a thing where it's like in the text, in the show itself, you have 
the weight of taking a life in this instance, like sure. It's a gigantic semi horrifying life, but it's a life that you have to take. And the pilots are children. Like these are, I think they're teenagers, but they're still basically kids having to be child soldiers in this show. And it's a psychological, you know, toll that it takes on them and the show like kind of lingers in that and it kind of sits with it and lets the characters experience it yo i mean even from the get-go right Mm -hmm. like shinji first getting into you know his his first battle Mm -hmm. um yo he couldn't even do it yeah complete completely overwhelmed by it. he couldn't even do it and the eva goes crazy and kills the angel on its own Mm-hmm. By the time he gets to the second battle and he finally destroys an angel, he's like having a nervous breakdown. Then you find out, you know, fast forward, obviously spoilers, but then you find out different things like, oh, Ray isn't even Ray. Ray is like clones. And you yep. find out how all of this is related and you find out about secret organizations and the way that they've been manipulating all of this. And mm-hmm. you find out how through this this character you find out the ways that quote unquote warfare costs and how humanity in its own way has perpetuated its own worst outcomes mm-hmm. but it just so happens that through this foretelling of that kind of narrative they just use these organic these organic mechs to do a lot of the dirty work which is which is uh, it's deep mm-hmm. it's deep there's another uh there's another series that does this um in its own way um i'm trying to remember off the top of my head it, it has the same kind of concept with these organic creatures um ah uh, come back to me Okay. And I'm gonna I'm gonna have the name for it off the top of my head. Yeah. And so uh Knights of Sidonia. There you go. There you go. Knights of Sidonia is another one. Sorry to interrupt. I just knew it was gonna come to me. I just believed in it. But Knights of Sidonia had this same type of appeal where the creatures they were targeting and trying to defeat represented these quote-unquote organic alien-like things Mm -hmm. that they were going to battle with but the cost of going to battle with it was just so emotionally consuming Mm -hmm. and personally consuming for those main characters it was torturous so even though you got the quote-unquote big robot fights it didn't it didn't pay off the same way because of what it cost yeah and it's it's where it's um the reality of uh the the narrative there they just kind of let that sink in a bit right um they they kind of they they stew in it a little bit more because i think it's you know it's easy to just say like hey there's a big battle but then we cut away and we don't have to deal with the ramifications of the big battle anymore but what we're seeing kind of around this period of time um is we're seeing just a lot more focus on those moments there and i think that's also where you start like the the big ooh cool explosion kind of thing like it it doesn't quite hit the same when i mean the easiest thing is like in evangelion when just one of the one of the combatants is not a giant robot like at all like the 
Um, there's elements of this in G Gundam where like the arm of the machine will get destroyed in some way. And then that is fed back into its pilot through an electrical shock. Right. And so there's elements of this in certain other, um, in other media, but it's really kind of hit home in these where they really kind of do. And again, like it's even in, in Evangelion, these are for the most part, like one-on-one fights these aren't you know, mm-hmm. huge huge scale battles or anything so the stakes are very personal the impacts are very personal and it kind of sits and kind of carries you through that you know it's it's even even visually right even visually like when you see when you see the avas like scream and cry out right like that yeah that, that's where it goes to a different level of personification and i think that's why you know, to a degree, Evangelion is is so so. Uh, what what's the word? Not contested, but it's so controversial, right? Mm-hmm. Even for this space, because like we talked about, when it comes to the real robots, they're tethered to a political system or a political battle, usually because of its nature. They're militaristic mm-hmm. in design. Okay, military politics. We understand they go hand in hand. However, with Evangelion, it, it took it to a level where it, it felt more like a, a, a visceral portrayal of humanity than it did about the actual robots. And which is why I also like the fact that you compare it a lot to G Gundam. Mm-hmm. Because earlier I said G Gundam is basically Hunger Games um, as like a joke, but when I really sit down and think about it, no, it, it really is like, yeah. G Gundam quite literally is every four years, a representative from one of the new cities, which is like space colonies to a degree. Yeah. Goes, nominates themselves to fight. Mm-hmm. And then the winner, these are fights to the death. And then the winner, like space colony winner is the one that gets to rule over everybody else. That's hunger games. And if we yeah. watched Hunger Games, Hunger Games was Hunger Games was vicious. Yeah, and it's this kind of thing, right? Where it's, and I think, um, I think that's a pretty smart use of the of the history there of you know mechas of these giant robots, where like it in a similar way that people you know have started to not I won't I won't say have started to because people have had complicated opinions on war for as long as we've been doing war. It's part of the whole bag with war uh but like it's a good and i think a responsible kind of use of the genre where it's this thing that used to be just kind of um blindly celebrated um or have a lot of surface level uh celebration for but actually does have some serious ramifications to it and we see as that genre matures that there are you know there that still exists there still are things that are just like ooh look cool giant robots and they still have their place but like there are more series that find the space of like well we already have 15 different anime doing look at the cool giant robots what else can we do here and now they can use though like use those kind of tropes there to tell other types of stories in that same space 100% 100% like uh what is the it's it's the Gundam franchise that you like a lot. Uh, Iron. I know it's Gundam Iron Wing. Blood Orphans is that? Oh, uh, Iron name? Blood Orphans is also up there. Or am I um, tripping? It's uh, it's I, the. I have never said anything about Iron Blood Orphans, but I am aware of it. Um, 
I know that it's um, Gundam Wing is the one that I'm most familiar with. Um, mm-hmm. But Iron Blooded Orphans is one of the most popular um, uh, Gundam series that gets referenced a lot. A hundred, a hundred percent. Like I brought it up because Iron Blooded Orphans is very much less about the actual Gundam than it is the relationship between the orphans. Mm-hmm. The the I know it's in the name, but no, the way they portray and tell the story really makes the the emotional connection to the orphans, their relationships, um, the way that you know the main character he relates to being a pilot um, and the others relate to him. All of those things end up carrying a lot more weight than just the fights that they have. Um, and that's also to your point, because that's a more modern portrayal of the Gundam series mm-hmm. versus originally where it was like, nah, we're just going to war with our robots. Yeah. It- that, that, that's all we're doing here. I think it's actually, we mentioned um, a lot of the similarities in our Shonen episode that it has with um, American kind of comic books and superhero comics and things like that. I think if anything, Mecha might actually be a better like a uh, um, similar example because I think it's pretty easy just like with superhero comics if you're coming at it from the outside in to look at like oh every superhero comic has a Superman in it they come in with their cape they smile they beat up this cartoonish bad guy and then they fly out of the window and they save the day and it's easy to think of Mecha in the same way because I th- because just like you know superhero comics at one point that was just a hundred percent correct where it's just, Oh, there's going to be a big fight. You get to see big robots do the big fights this time. And that's really cool. But it's currently like with, with the, with all the different, you know, anime and the genre that's available now, there are just like, there are superhero comics that, you know, get very dark or get very kind of reflective. There are also mecha anime that are doing that as well, where it's like they still have, you know, some of the tropes of their genre, but they're using that to tell a more compelling uh, narrative. And in a lot of ways, more compelling than you could have done, you know, earlier when some of the more iconic early examples of the genre were around. No, 100 percent. And as, as your audience matures and your audience grows and their taste grows, it almost demands that from you. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see it with the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the DC Universe. We're getting different nuances to characters as they become more and more popular in today's age. So it's only right to assume that we'll get different. Uh, we'll get nuance when it comes to the portrayal of a lot of these uh, these mech animes. Yeah. So, I mean, that's uh, that's kind of, I guess, the the big broad strokes of what a lot of the the what a lot of like the most popular examples of the genre are going to are going to be kind of what a lot of their tropes are and i think kind of where like what you can expect i think from very surface level examples to pretty deep ones um i think i i, I think we can do here kenny kind of with like the last bit of the episode um is start looking at some corner cases what does and what does not count as a mecha anime um, just because I know whenever we had discussed this previously, we kind of we talked about the like these kind of corner cases for a while. Listen, I'm going to go on record and say that I believe you can make the case that Digimon is more of a <laughs> mech anime than anything else. And I say that because these creatures are digital monsters, right, mm-hmm. which by default 
lets me know that they are uh, quote unquote robots to a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you want to say that they're source code or not, they're still digital creations. These digital creations then are able to either be sentient or <laughs> piloted through a hybrid digivolution that happens in later seasons. So <laughs> once again, I'm making the case that Digimon is mechs, if we're going by the definition. I mean, like, so I would like I wouldn't inherently well, I guess like because the I think it's a distinction, right? It's our Digimon mechs is different from is Digimon a mecha anime? I don't think that the second part is true. Are they mechs? I mean, maybe <laughs> like, cause it's just like you said, right. It's just like, it's, they are digital. Um, and maybe you could say like, Oh, well they're all software. Cause they're just, you know, code Digimon movie. They do come into the real world. They're smashing up buildings just like any good big robot. Um, so they're here, they're doing stuff. They are controllable. They're partner. I don't know. I do not know what they're called in Digimon. The kid that go that walks around with them. Um, does control them to an extent you can say that that's piloting you know unless you want to split no, hairs literally like literally there is a season of digimon and the digimon i'm thinking about in question is Giomon. Giomon fuses with his person partner whatever it thing is. and yeah. they form gallantmon and gallantmon is literally made through the fusion a hundred percent so then here's so the, that is arguably piloting well, Geomon. See, that's and that's where it gets very interesting. So we're gonna be dealing in these corner cases. So if if that counts, if this character fusing with their Digimon, and like sure, like the fusion is larger than the two of them, you know, he definitely grows and such. If that counts as a mech then Kenny, I posit to you <laughs> that Tony Stark in the Iron Man suit is a mech, right? We have the Iron Man suit is more than just a piece of armor. You know, Tony Stark, even if you take just the two, just that character, he attaches more value to it than just the armor. Cause he can certainly make a second one, but he doesn't, he gets in the one suit. And he then pilots that suit. Does that now also constitute a mecha? No, because it's armor. It's different. It's so different. If I if I fuse with a Digimon, right? Like, sure, the like you could say that armor fits me a bit tighter than normal armor. Am I not just wearing that Digimon as effectively armor? It's just part N- of me. No, 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 no. because. Y- you transform literally into a completely different being, right? You're just sentient inside of that being. Well, then am I not piloting it because I am it? You, so that's why I'm making the case for Digimon. But when it comes to, let's say, Tony's Mark IV armor, right? Yeah. He's not piloting the armor. He... Mm-hmm the armor is on his body and it's moving because he is moving. Now, when he gets outside of the armor, right? And I think it's like Avengers 2 where we see it for the first time, maybe, where he can control the suit uh, without him being in it at all. Um, I think you have a robot. 
right? But I wouldn't say you have a mech. When I think of mech, I think giant. And if so I'm you, not mistaken, okay. that's one of the caveats for it is size. Okay, so so then you would say it's it's the size there. I the, that would be my my counter argument to the Digimon example is that because they become one entity in the similar way that Tony Stark cannot pilot the Mark V suit because he is is wearing it like it's armor. If I fuse with a thing, I it's moving because I move. I'm not really piloting it unless 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 Kenny, you want to take your argument to the to. Uh, the further the further call that our subconscious is but merely a pilot in our bodies and then our 100%. bodies in that relationship are mechs so we all <laughs> we all are, are mechs and, and, and maybe like that's kind of the the I like that we got here before we got to what I thought was going to be the really out there example is I was going to make the argument for Titans and attack on Titans being mechas, but we've already blown past that and just gone that every human is, is in a way a mecha. We're all living in a mech genre anime. All of human existence. There should be a philosophical (laughs) school for this. All of human existence is just one giant mech storyline. And so, like, but I, I think, though, to to kind of bring everything back home, I do think that is where a lot of the appeal of this um, of this genre kind of lies. Right. Um, uh, there is a there's a sense, I think, in a lot of people, and I think this is pretty common, the what people call, you know, the out of body experience. Right. Where you like kind of both obviously or maybe maybe i shouldn't be so presumptuous to say obviously but you control your own body but you don't really feel like it's there's a direct connection a one-to-one there that maps pretty cleanly onto this theory of like you existing as a pilot within your own body and then kind of moving it to do various things i think that might be kind of the um I, I don't know if I've said it on the show before, but I know I say it just in real life, kind of the caveman brain appeal to the mecha genre, why it so widely appeals to so many people who I think otherwise have such varied taste. And I think it's that on some level people have, even if just for, you know, a moment here or there had that feeling that they were just kind of piloting themselves around and, you know, kind of, you know, traveling in that way. And so it kind of, it scratches that kind of um, reflective itch where again, people want to see people on screen. They want to see people in the media they consume. And that might be the version of people that you see, even though again, on the surface, these are just giant fighting robots. So I think it's fair with that to definitively make the statement that Titans are mechs. Yeah. To a degree. I oh, mean yeah. if we're if we're just gonna we're just gonna call a spade a spade, right? To mm-hmm. to kind of prove just how much the genre has evolved, right? Um its its evolutions have become so encompassing that is tendrils are starting to be found if we really sit down and dig into it like its elements are starting to be found in a lot of different ways um and in a lot of different ips that on surface may not look like it but mm-hmm. if we do break it down like we did in this episode it is pretty one-to-one for yeah. all intensive purposes when you get to season four aaron is jumping in and out of his titan form like it's nothing mm-hmm. right then you even have a titan that's a mass titan if i'm not mistaken 
and that tightened the the uh the quote-unquote pilot as we'll Mm -hmm. title it just for this argument isn't even inside of the titan itself yeah it's tethered to and so that Mm -hmm. tethered to aspect acts as a super robot then when you get to aaron in his case being actually inside of the titan during his titan form that's arguably a real robot with the yeah. fact that he has to literally pilot the body because the body doesn't function unless he's inside of it. So I think I think this is really this is really dope and it, it's a really great way to show that the genre is not just alive and thriving, but the genre is kind of morphing yeah. in ways that it's being represented. Um and and I think it it explains a lot. It explains to your point also why it's so successful to so many different people over such a wide, uh, wide, wide expanse of time. Mm-hmm. It's like, I think, uh, and I mean like to, you know, lay that argument out there. Cause like, I obviously very much agree that I think Titans kind of count here. There, there are some things that that does assume, right? If you, as a, as an audience member, if you accept that, um, that Ava's count as mechs, right? Because Ava's are, if you're familiar with that, you know, series and with that universe, Ava's are not a hundred percent mechanical. So that means that if you now, you know, for, for, I think each individual person, you may say for yourself that your like line is that the, that the mechas do have to be 100% mechanical. I would then argue that if they have a pilot in them, they're no longer hundred percent mechanical because there's a person in there, but to not be pedantic about it, if uh, that can be your cutoff, and I'd say like if that's kind of your rubric there, if that's your framework for mechas, then a Titan does not count because obviously it does have organic matter, but then neither does Evangelion, and you'd be kind of hard-pressed to cut out Evangelion from mecha anime, to me at least. Like, I definitely, I think that's a hard sell. And so really with that, with that part broken there, once you accept that they don't have to be completely mechanical, completely um, uh, robotic, you know, I think that expands the type of story you can tell there. And I think that then reframes, like I brought up earlier, how the, the mech and its pilot are connected, but they are also distinct. And in, you know, fields of psychology, fields of philosophy, we have this idea that there are different segments of, uh, of, of the person, you know, there is the body, there's the mind separate from the body and things like that. Obviously, you know, these aren't facts of the world, but these are kind of just schools of thought. And I think that as we've gotten to this point with a lot more, um, I mean, frankly, sophisticated mecha anime, like, um, like Evangelion and similar, the the types of stories that that genre is trying to tell have i think caught on to that caught on to that uh meaning that you might have been able to read into you know gundam back in 1979 even if it wasn't as obvious then Mm -hmm. but they're becoming more explicitly about that right where like in in a a very contemporary example like attack on titan you have these titans that represent on some level a baser instinct in certain characters cases a you know a more awful instinct (laughs) of their of their of their humanity but it is like but like in those examples right you could say that for certain characters maybe they had lost control for a bit and their actions can be excused but also for other ones they were just kind of indulging right and 
the 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 Titan, as it were, the Mecha in their case, is kind of just the way they were able to accomplish that. And so what you're kind of seeing, and I think the most sophisticated examples here, is that type of storytelling, is like this, you have the character in like, you know, their higher level thoughts, maybe, you know, the the more sophisticated version of them as a person, but the Gundam can only act on the inputs it's given. And so if all mm-hmm. they do is tell it to punch and smash and do stuff, it's all it's going to do. And in, and in that case, you then kind of reflect on the pilot character and you're like, even if you have all of these conflicts morally with what you're doing and you have all these things, if all that you, whenever you're in the pilot seat, if all you told the mech to do was punch and smash and blow stuff up, doesn't matter that you have these kind of deeper, more contemplative thoughts. And I think that's what a lot of newer examples in this genre are really kind of trying to get the audience and their characters and their storylines to wrestle with. I think that was beautifully said. I'm a genius. This is Fuller Arcs. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Um, Let us know, uh, you know, wherever you happen to hear this, let us know what you think about um, the mecha genre in general. Do you feel like it is, even with the examples we've talked about here, is it just giant fighting robots? You know, like, is, is it really not this deep? Very possible. Very possible. You might've read a bit too much into it. Do you think that Titans count as mechs? Do you think Digimon count as mechs? That one's a bit wilder to me. Yeah, I do want to know what people's opinion are on the Digimon argument that Kenny made and on my argument for the Iron Man suit. I'm I'm pretty convinced Iron Man suit counts, but let us know what you think. Um, uh, And then whoever gets the most positive reaction on social media wins, (laughs) and that's how it goes. And let me be be specific to help safeguard my (laughs) argument. I'm I'm arguing for specifically... Metal Greymon, right? <laughs> and I'm arguing yeah. specifically for uh, Gallant Mon, okay, mm-hmm. as my two cases of a super robot and a real robot. Thank you. I'm arguing for Tony Stark in any <laughs> Iron Man suit um, from any version of the character, um, comic, animated, uh, Robert Downey Jr., Whatever it is, I'm arguing that they're all whoever's going to succeed him in the universe. Is yeah, just whatever. Yeah, yeah. The them. future. I think actually the current Iron Man. I think there's also <laughs> there's also other ones. Um, Piper, whatever the whatever her name is. <laughs> War Machine, also Max. Yeah, they're all of them. All of them. Is Bruce Banner when he is in the Hulk form a Mecha? I think if you accept the Titan example, we gotta go with yeah what yeah no we're definitely listen (laughs) this has been full of arcs it's been great (laughs) (laughs) it's been great definitely hit us up on social media with your answers yeah um the uh, takes on this one have been uh nuclear hot i have been drew (laughs) i'm kenyatta and as we always Uh, say um uh bye bye (laughs)